Thank you for joining us for Talking Sleep, a podcast of the American Academy of Sleep Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Seema Kosla, Medical Director of the North Dakota Center for Sleep in Fargo. We have a full house today to talk about Advancing Innovation in Residency Education, or AIR, program. It's a new training pathway to become a sleep specialist. This is important for practicing sleep medicine clinicians, so we understand how this training compares to a traditional pathway, particularly as fellows graduate and join us as colleagues. Today, we're going to talk with several people involved in the AIR program, including program directors and participating fellows. First, let's get started with Dr. David Plant, chair of the AASM Innovative Fellowship Models Advisory Panel. This panel oversees implementation of the AIR proposals. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Plant. It's a pleasure to be here today. Thank you for inviting me. So tell me about this. Why was this panel created and what was its purpose? Well, really the big picture for why this panel was created was to try to address some pipeline issues that that our field is facing. So we have a wonderful field in sleep medicine with a lot of different interdisciplinary backgrounds. But one of the challenges has been in in the last several years, uh, we've had fewer and fewer people entering into the workforce and more and more people leaving. So we wanted to think creatively about ways that we can enhance our workforce to meet the future needs for sleep medicine. So how did you guys decide on these two models? I understand there's a part-time model and a blended model. Well, that's a great question. A lot of this has really been a collaborative process. So our committee, and now as a panel, uh, started largely building on the work of another committee that had actually looked into leveraging uh, the opportunities put forward by the American Um, by the ACGME uh, to sort of have these air models of of pilot training. And when our group got together, we leveraged that work to try to think about what were some gaps, excuse me, in in training uh, that really we could try to address by having these novel pathways. So when as a group, we talked about who was leaving our field, uh, who wasn't coming into the field uh, in the sort of numbers that we would like. So one group obviously uh, was people who were doing pulmonary critical care training. Uh, We had noticed overall a trend uh, downward in the number of people entering into sleep uh, ever since we had to do an additional year of sleep medicine fellowship training. And another group was people who uh, maybe just wouldn't choose to do an additional year of sleep medicine training uh, because of life circumstances. They couldn't uh, sort of justify taking a full year off all at once. And so we thought part-time training might be a good option for them. So how do you see this playing out? I mean, do you have a long-term vision or plan? Well, the long-term vision, so right now we're, we're doing in, in a pilot. So we're really studying these models to see if they will work. So we've gotten permission from the ACGME to uh, basically test out these different training pathways in a number of different um, programs across the country. So we're very excited to have some of the participants in the pilot with us. And then we're collecting data as part of that evaluation. And we want to see if the outcomes are similar uh, in these pilot models of training compared to a traditional pathway. And if they are, our hope is that we can then apply to make these more permanent options for for training programs uh, to bring people into the field. That's very cool. I enjoyed that piece that you guys wrote. I think it was published in JCSM maybe this past January. Yes, that sounds maybe, I think it was, yes, January, absolutely. 
January 1st edition of the year, I believe. <laughs> so tell me, how do you think this program will benefit us in the practice of sleep medicine broadly? Well, I mean, I personally think that one of the real strengths of sleep medicine is the fact that we are interdisciplinary and we have a lot of different um, perspectives in, in the field. And I think that we're always at risk for losing certain perspectives if uh, we can't recruit you know, bright people from different backgrounds and in, into our training. So I really think that these models will really uh, enhance opportunities for people, um, both from different training backgrounds, but also who may have different life trajectories. Because uh, I think, it, it, you know, we all face different things in our lives at different times and giving people the opportunity to come back to sleep if they become interested in it later in their career, um, or people who may have a, a vested interest in other things like research that they want to try to balance with a sleep medicine fellowship. I mean, I think this really will open the door for even more diversity within our field in terms of, of trainee background and trainee expertise. You know, that's funny. When I was in medical school, I did a rotation in Durham. And at that point, I was really excited about internal medicine and pulmonary. And I remember the dermatologist telling me, that I need to think about what I want to do when I'm 40 and not when I'm 20. And I remember completely blowing him off. But now I'm, of course, now I'm in my 40s and I'm recognizing that. And, and I wonder if that isn't part of what some of our colleagues are experiencing as well when they maybe think about, well, you know what, I've done, let's say, pulmonary crit care for how many years or whichever field. And maybe now I want to go back and do sleep medicine. So it sounds like this program, this part-time program, really um, would fit that sort of person. Oh, absolutely. And the idea, I mean, that was a big part of the idea that people could, you know, stay in their general practice, for example, they might have to cut back to, to halftime, but they could still maintain a, a practice of some kind, whether in private practice or uh, in an academic setting, and, you know, do a fellowship uh, and continue to work at the same time to get that credential. Because a lot of people... You know, it's a big ask to pause your work for an entire year to do a standard fellowship pathway when you're pretty far along in life. You know, people have, you know, kids, other obligations that they have to take care of, and sometimes it's just not feasible. So we wanted to really try to, you know, make an option for people uh, that they could kind of jump back in uh, and choose sleep at a later time in their career if it sort of piqued their interest at that point. Because, you know, it's I think it's you're exactly right. It's hard to know what you're what you're going to want, you know, 10, 20 years from now. So if people realize that sleep's a good field for them, we want to recruit those people into our field for sure. And I bet they bring with them this sort of richness of their experience. You know, they already know how to work the EMR and they already have patient experience and they know what their patients are looking for. Oh, ab absolutely. And and I would say also the way that we tried to design, especially the the you know, the part-time model is it's not it's not just for people who have been in practice for some period of time. It may be for people who just want to slow down their their fellowship training and spread it out uh, over a couple of years instead of having to do it uh, all at once. So, again, you know, p if people have, um, you know, family obligations that they just need to work part-time to achieve that training, this is a great option for them. For people who also want to uh, have maybe a research uh, a trajectory, this gives them the opportunity to combine their research with their, their clinical work in a little bit more of a sort of blended uh, pathway over a couple of years. So we really thought it would give a lot of flexibility uh, for a lot of people. Well, it sure makes it more attainable, doesn't it? That is the hope.
I mean, I can't even imagine. I had friends that had kids in medical school and residency, and I, you know, never could have imagined being a pulmonary care fellow and having kids. But I, I can see how you would be able to incorporate, you know, a part-time sleep fellowship. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. So there is an application deadline coming up in December. Can you give maybe just a brief overview of the process and the timeline? There, there is an app. Thank you for bringing that up. So there is uh, a deadline for this year's cycle. So the way that it works every year is our committee basically solicits applications from different programs that may be interested. And we try to uh, really you know, put the advertisement out there for everyone. That's part of why we're, we were so excited to do this podcast is sort of put it out into the ether so even more people know. Um, it is on the ASM uh, website. Uh, so you can find the information. The, the application is due uh, December 7th, 2020. Um, it's good if you're interested uh, to go ahead and take a look at the application and what goes into it. There are several aspects, some, you know, technical uh, about your program, uh, some also about your institution. Uh, and then after reviewing it, you can feel free to reach out to me or um, Sally uh, Podolsky at the ASM. She's a great resource and is the, uh, the ASM staff member who works with our committee. That's fantastic. Yeah, I learned a lot from that paper. And the one thing that really, really surprised me was the drop off in board certification. So I took the old board the last year you could take it. And it was a hard exam. We had to fly to Chicago. It was too, it was just a terrible exam. And, um, and then I did the ABIM one. And I was really surprised that the number of people that received their board certifications dropped that precipitously. So I, I guess that's reflecting what you're saying, that when you ask people to do an extra year, they just don't do it. Yeah, I think, you know, what happened is, you know, the field has really evolved over time in terms of what the training has looked like. And there actually used to be some of these blended models of training um, many years ago. But then once we became sort of an accredited medical specialty, and we had our own board certification exam, and you had to do a, a dedicated one year fellowship, that option became no longer possible. So what we're trying to do here really is circle back to those, you know, ways to try to combine or innovate within training, but still maintain very high quality sleep medicine training. So, you know, in all of these programs, uh, whether they're combined pulmonary critical care programs, and they can actually be an adult or pediatric uh, programs or the part-time model, we really want to make sure that the sleep medicine training is really high quality and high caliber. The, the sleep medicine program directors are intimately involved uh, in, in the process. Uh, and that way we make sure that um, we're not really giving short shrift to sleep medicine, which I think is really, really important. And what an important message too, right? I mean, the, the people that are, are, are fellows that are graduating from your program are going to be part of our workforce and our colleagues. And I think it is important for us to recognize that this training is equivalent, right? It's the same as we all did. Well, that that is the hope. I mean, we're doing the pilot study. We think that it's going to be equivalent. We think that people are going to do equally well in these uh, two potential models, potentially even, you know, better in, in some cases, but we don't know. Uh, but once we have that data, we hope to, again, sort of apply to make these more permanent uh, options for the field. Well, thank you so much for giving us the background on the AIR program, Dr. Plant. This sounds like a great way to attract more sleep physicians. When we come back, we'll talk with two program directors implementing the AIR program. You're listening to Talking Sleep from the American Academy of Sleep Medicine. Prepare for post-COVID-19 operations, optimize your sleep facility, and learn accreditation tips at the ASM Practice Management course. 
this one-day online course is more affordable than ever. Earn up to seven and a half hours of continuing education and get a jumpstart on 2021 with easy-to-implement skills taught by sleep experts. Register today at aasm.org PMC. Welcome back to Talking Sleep. We're talking about the AIR program for sleep fellowships, and now I'm pleased to introduce two program directors using this program, Dr. Eric Heckman from Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center and Dr. Michelle Zeidler from UCLA. Thank you both for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. You are each running different programs, part-time at Beth Israel Deaconess and the blended model at UCLA. Let's start with you, Dr. Zeidler. What interested UCLA about introducing this blended fellowship program? Um, I think that as a pulmonary critical care and sleep physician who was trained under the old model, I became concerned that we were losing a lot of interest in pulmonary and critical care uh, clinicians uh, in that they just did not want to do that extra year of fellowship, although they were interested in sleep medicine. In addition, you know, they see so many sleep patients in their, outpra- in their outpatient uh, practice and they transition on into a clinical practice. They really realize that they're missing a very, very important component um, for uh, treating their patients. So when the ASM uh, brought up this uh, blended model uh, as a pilot study, I was very, very enthusiastic about it. Uh, and luckily, we have a pulmonary program director who was also very supported and enthusiastic, and we thought it would be a wonderful fit for our fellows. That's fantastic. Do you see any advantages uh, in participating in this program? So the advantage really is completing everything in three years. Uh, I feel as pulmonary and critical care are getting so subspecialized, the fellows are really choosing a track uh, to pursue. So we see some fellows who are pursuing transplants, some fellows who are pursuing pulmonary hypertension. Of course, there's our uh, research-directed fellows, but this allows individuals who are very interested in sleep to complete that all um, in three years. What challenges have you faced in implementing this new approach? So I think at UCLA, we've been very, very lucky that we've had full support from our uh, pulmonary division and from our GME office. Uh, I think the biggest challenge is uh, the scheduling. Uh, We have a lot of pulmonary fellows um, and putting together a schedule that allows for 11 months of sleep training for these individuals be it if they start during their second year or their third year, is an undertaking. Uh, That said, our chief fellows are amazing and uh, everyone has been quite flexible um, and put in a lot of work to make this happen. You said you had a lot of fellows. How many fellows do you have? Uh, I think right now we have about 30, 30 preliminary fellows. Wow. Or high 20s. Yeah. It it keeps moving a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) We have a big program, big, wonderful program. So what has changed this year because of COVID? Oh, dear. Um, What has changed this year because of COVID? Well, Or or maybe what hasn't changed? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's a better question. Right, right. It'll definitely uh, be shorter. Uh, You know, everything has moved uh, in sleep to telemedicine, which I think has been amazing. And the patients uh, have been very, very happy about it. We're a multi-center 
uh, sleep fellowship program. So each institution um, has had to take that on in their own way. Um, but the fellows are become very, very adept in, um, in telemedicine. And we've also began, begun at the VA to treat our patients uh, in terms of the diagnostic portion and the treatment portion uh, via telemedicine. So we mail out home sleep apnea tests right now. Um, and we mail out CPAPs and do the, the setups that way. So we also do have face-to-face. -face. So I think the fellows are getting an even uh, more broad experience in how to treat patients. And at the VA especially, we see a lot of rural patients. And so this has uh, helped them understand how to treat that population. Well, it's kind of a nice silver lining then, isn't it? It sure is. So it, it's incredible that you have five fellows participating in the AIR program now. I mean, I, I just can't wait to meet them as colleagues. <laughs> they are great. We, we adore <laughs> them. Now, let's talk about the part-time fellowship model at Beth Israel Deaconess with Dr. Eric Heckman. What prompted your program to offer this? Yeah, we were very excited to be involved in this part-time program because it seems like it's a, a very clear need. Um, unfortunately, sleep medicine still... Uh, something that doesn't get a lot of attention in either medical school or even in the feeder uh, residencies before people get to sleep fellowship. And so very frequently we find that there's people either applying to our traditional program who are already in practice and, 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 and having to consider a very big life change uh, to come back to fellowship or people who maybe are our colleagues who have kind of developed a, a, um, a, a late uh, interest in sleep medicine and kind of feel like they're stuck without the ability to pursue that further. And so uh, this seemed like a very attractive option to uh, allow those uh, folks who are kind of late bloomers in sleep uh, to to join uh, join the, the specialty and 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 be active in, in sleep medicine. That's kind of true, isn't it? I mean, I'm thinking back to my medical school and residency, and and I'm not sure that I would have even fully understood that sleep medicine could be sort of your own dedicated field unless I had rotated with, I rotated with Dr. Barb Phillips at University of Kentucky when I was maybe a second or third year resident. And I think that's the first time I ever really saw that part of it. So I can see what you're saying that maybe they just haven't come across it in the course of their, of their teaching. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm in the same category. It was a little bit of blind luck that I did a, a, a <laughs> rotation that became, you know, the focus of what I, I love to do. So um, hopefully over time, uh, sleep will continue to gain more prominence and this won't be such a black box. But uh, in, in the interim, I think an opportunity like this uh, is, is got a clear, a clear need. So tell me about the challenges that you have faced. Uh, well, I think much like uh, Michelle uh, had said, I think the biggest uh, uh, hurdle is, is definitely scheduling. Um, uh, it definitely takes a lot of flexibility, both on the uh, part-time fellows part and the programs part to be able to kind of go with the flow. Um, you know, now I, I think this has been surmountable because, uh, you know, our, our our program is anchored in, in the pulmonary division. And, you know, whether that, you know, a lot of programs come from either pulmonary or neuro or psych backgrounds, so people often wear more than one hats. And so our schedules are already kind of built around people potentially having service time, you know, in a different capacity than sleep medicine. So so it's been doable. Um, but, um, you know, I think uh, our, our fellows have been fantastic with being able to kind of roll with the punches and uh, ad uh, adapt and do makeup schedules if um, uh, there's another service obligation that comes up. And one good thing about having people who are a little bit more seasoned already in practice, I think, I think uh, you know, attendings tend to expect a little bit more 
free form oh. schedule than, than, you know, people maybe coming right out of residency. And so that extra, um, uh, you know, experience, I think helped there a lot. Oh, that's a really good point. Do you, do either of you feel that there's any sort of difference between air fellows and sort of more conventional traditional fellows? I mean, do you feel like they are uh, incorporated and embraced by faculty and staff and that sort of thing in the same manner? Well, I could speak on the, the part-time side that I think um, m- most people, myself included, have to kind of remind ourselves that they're actually part-time. Uh, I think you know may, this may just speak to the caliber of the, the fellows that we were lucky to get uh, for for the part-time fellowship, but um, you know they actually seem to be progressing very uh, very well. Um, and um, you know I think part of this is actually there's some advantage to having a longer uh, a fellowship, right? I mean, sleep medicine is not exactly a, a rapid turnaround kind of specialty. And so being able to follow the same group of patients potentially for a longer period of time, actually, I think gives them some more insight that sometimes it's hard to get when you're, you know, trying to cram everything into just one year. Well, that's just it, right? It's the opposite of the ICU. You know, you make a decision and 10 minutes later, you know, if you're right or wrong versus mm-hmm. sleep, you do have to follow it out more long term. That's a really good point. So tell me about COVID. Yeah. So uh, uh, first, I think the biggest thing I have to say is a thank you to um, to, to Sarv, our, our part-time fellow from last year, and, and are the rest of our traditional fellows who got pulled uh, in some cases, including to, to serve on a COVID ICU unit because in Boston in, in the spring, um, you know, the hospital was under severe stress. And so everyone really went above and beyond. Um, uh, but besides that, uh, the, the biggest thing was was transitioning to telemedicine, which for us didn't really exist uh, pre-pandemic. But I think, you know, sleep, unlike some other specialties, can can do fairly well, I think, with telehealth. So it's, um, you know, you know, particularly with the ability to get a lot of data online, you know, through you know, PAP devices, for instance, you know, I think we, we can get by better than a lot. And so I think uh, it's been... Uh, 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 something that still has not diminished the quality of exposure that the fellows have had. Um, and we've tried to pivot in other ways. For instance, uh, you know, we have, you know, we'll, uh, studies that are ordered by primary care providers that, uh, that typically went for att- to attendings to read, but we, you know, pivoted those to the fellows to make sure they got their numbers up. Uh, we we're able to pivot our didactics to be completely virtual. And so, um, you know, I think thankfully we're able to keep the exposure of last year's fellows and this year's fellows, um, you know, I think uh, on par to what uh, we, we expect our standards to be normally, although it's definitely been challenging at times. Well, and isn't that kind of a cool thing? I remember a friend of mine, Dr. Barry Fields, who's out in Atlanta at the VA, you know, he talked about that quite a bit, that you teach the fellows how to do telemedicine, but then you also utilize telemedicine to teach the fellows. Which is such a cool thing. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt it's here to stay in some form, and so I think um, even if it's very uh, uh, a, a disproportionate amount of exposure for these uh, years, I think it's going to be a skill set that's going to be um, in demand and useful moving forward. Well, thank you, and and we have two of your fellows with us here today, Dr. Uh, Morgan Soffler and Dr. Sarav Luthra. Dr. Soffler, I'll start with you. What interested you in this fellowship program and, and how do you like it? What do you think about it? Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um, so I did my uh, my first set of uh, fellowship training in pulmonary and critical care medicine. Um, it was a three-year fellowship with the first year and a half really focused on the clinical training and the second um, year and a half focused on academic and research training. 
And I came in pretty com- to the fellowship, pretty committed to um, education as kind of my um, academic path and doing uh, medical education research and realized about, you know, near the, the middle of my third year fellowship that I was really interested in sleep medicine. I hadn't really had much exposure before fellowship. And even during fellowship, I think my exposure was fairly limited. But as I be- became more aware of the field and uh, the types of patients that are seen in the physiology and became, became better with physiology, <laughs> I became a lot, um, a lot more fascinated. Um, but I kind of felt like, oh, it's such a bummer. I didn't realize this earlier in my training. And I even... I talked about it with my wife and she's like, forget it. You're not doing another training. <laughs> um, so I just kind of kept on my way and um, came on to faculty um, and had been on faculty um, about a year when uh, Dr. Heckman had mentioned uh, uh, that um, they were going to be starting the part-time fellowship. And I thought, wow, like, could I, should I? And um, really was excited by the opportunity because at that point after, you know, I had been on faculty for about a year and a half and I had carved out some research niches for myself in education and also some administrative positions that, um, I, uh, was excited about. And so the idea that I could continue to, to do those things and advance my career that way while also, um, developing this clinical niche, um, was really a, a very attractive, um, a very attractive thing. So, um, I was, I was really excited about, um, about going down this path. And then obviously your wife was okay with it too. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Fully supportive. Fully supportive. That could be contentious, can't it? That's what a great, but that's true. I mean, we're all sort of pulled in so many directions, right? And what a great opportunity then for you to kind of sort of dive back in without losing all of the stuff that you've already worked hard to establish. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think too, um, Dr. Hackman had mentioned this um, this idea of, you know, the perspective of having some attending experience and coming in and redoing fellowship. It really does make a huge difference about how you view your training um, and uh, um, kind of what, what you want your focus to be. And I, I feel like I have a little bit more clarity as in a, having had some time as an attending to know really uh, where I want my career to go. Um, and so I feel like the time that I'm able to use during this sleep fellowship training um, is really valuable and I'm getting more out of it than I think I would have if I had just kind of gone from tra- training program to training program. So then are you an attending where you are a fellow as well? Yes, I am. Um, I do uh, critical care medicine um, uh, and um, also have a research um, position here. Oh, so that's very cool. And so I suppose people treat you as both a fellow and an attending. Yes, I feel very embedded um, in both um, in both places and, and well integrated um, in both. That's fantastic. And now we turn to you, Dr. Luthera. Um, why did you select this program? And tell us about your experience. So I have internal medicine background. Uh, prior to starting this program last year, I was uh, an academic hospitalist here at uh, the same hospital, Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center, where they started this part-time program for the for the first time last year. And is sleep medicine something you had considered for a long time, or was it more this great opportunity? I think it's part of both. Uh, prior to coming to Boston, I was practicing, again, in an academic internal medicine uh, scenario in upstate New York. And I had uh, graduated from internal medicine in 2015. So I'd already practiced for three years prior to coming here. And 
throughout my inpatient role in internal medicine, I was realizing that I have so many patients that come into me, I admit them and they have sleep disorders. And at least in that region uh, where I was practicing, there was sleep medicine, but we did not have a lot of uh, sleep medicine providers and, and uh, a good availability of the sleep labs. So a lot of my patients would struggle when I'm trying to get them discharged as to where you know I sent them to get a sleep study. We had no way of getting an inpatient sleep studies. And then how do I hook them up uh, with a good sleep medicine provider so they can do well uh, when they are discharged? And then I also saw the problem where you know I would have these patients go home and they'll come back with the same problem because they did not get good sleep uh, care in the community. So that started uh, to seed the idea in my mind that uh, I think there is a need, a growing need rather, of uh, sleep medicine. So with that idea, when we came to Boston, uh, this was a great uh, city to explore uh, other training opportunities. And I started working at this good academic program here uh, at Beth Israel. Uh, and I got in contact with Dr. Heckman, who is the program director here of sleep, and he also does ICU. So we would, uh, you know, chat about sleep medicine in the ICU, and uh, I got to know him. And that's, you know, when, uh, I, you know, as luck would have it, this opportunity came as it was already going uh, through my head that I need to, you know, explore how I could learn more about sleep. And then I said, you know, this is an excellent opportunity. Uh, I get to you know, practice internal medicine, which I love. And then I also get uh, to learn and train with one of the uh, premier programs in, in the country uh, in, a, in a program where I don't have to give up my internal medicine altogether. Uh, so that's how I got into it. I think you've really hit on something important that uh, a lot of us aren't exposed to sleep medicine as part of our training. And so I really appreciate that you recognized that pretty early on, though, right? If you just graduated in 2015, you recognized that this was something that needed, there was there was a need, uh, and you pursued further education to really kind of fill that need and then to better serve your patients. And I think that's one thing that we're learning with our conversation with Dr. Heckman and Dr. Zeidler um, and Dr. Plant as well, uh, and Dr. Soffler, that really sometimes having the seasoned physician come back and do further training really enriches the program and it enriches their experience. It almost changes the way that you you treat your fellowship program. Well, thank you all so much. We've packed a lot into this discussion. For more information about the AIR program and to apply, please visit the AASM website. The deadline, don't forget, is December 7th. And if you're a program director, don't forget to watch your email for an invite to the upcoming AIR program Q&A, where our guests will be available to provide more specific information and answer your questions. Thanks for listening to Talking Sleep, brought to you by the American Academy of Sleep Medicine. For more podcast episodes, please visit our website at aasm.org. You can also subscribe through your favorite podcast service. And if you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to leave a rating or review. For more feedback or suggestions, email us at podcast at aasm.org. I hope you'll join us again for more Talking Sleep. Until next time, this is Seema Kosla, encouraging you to sleep well so you can live well.